Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Each week I speak to a pilgrim from somewhere around the globe, someone who has walked one of the many and varied pathways to visit the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James at the magnificent cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain, the Camino de Santiago. This week, my guest is an Australian pilgrim, Larry Phillips, and he's one of the conveners of the Australian pilgrims of the Camino Facebook page. And I have to concede I don't know a lot about Larry, although I have followed closely his wanderings on Camino forums and, and pages online. I think it's fair to say... He's a committed pilgrim, and we have that in common. Larry, welcome. Thank you very much, Dan. Nice to be here. So let's let's begin with your pilgrimage. Where and when did you walk your first? Um, we walked in 2014 from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port to Finisterre, and then in 2016 we walked from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port to Santiago de Compostela. So, so let's go back to 2014. Where did you start? Uh, we, as I said, we started in St. Jean. Yeah. And how long did you take then, Larry? Um, both times we took 36 days to walk from St. Jean to Santiago. And, and did you keep to the same path both times or did you, did you take the, what some people call the more picturesque paths, sometimes an even more difficult path off the, the dedicated Camino Francis? Well, that's exactly what we did. I mean, the first time we went in 2014, we branched off to the left of Tria Castella and went to Samos. Um, and in 2016, we branched off to the right from Tria Castella and went through um, Elpina and uh, Tessaria that way. So we took a deliberate um, decision that we would stay at different places and walk different routes. So even though it was the same main journey, we were taking um, a different way of doing it. Plus, the second time we took it a lot easier, slower, and you know, made sure that we saw things that we hadn't seen the first time. So why is that? Why, why did you take it slower the second time? Do you think the first time round you were, why were you faster or, or why did you need to take a decision to slow down? I think the first time we, we went, it was sort of um, a lot more exciting because it was all new. And we were sort of wanting to see what was over the next hill. We wanted to see the next sunrise. So we were sort of racing to keep up. Plus, um, and not wanting to say it in a bad way, we were actually walking with our Camino family and you didn't want to split with your Camino family the first time. The yeah. second time, we actually walked with our Camino family because the about eight people who we walked with in 2014 met us again in 2016 to do the walk. Um, and... We started with them, we walked with them for a little while, and then we just got to a point we said, look, we'll see you in two weeks' time, and we took a branch and they went a different way. So that while we were walking with our Camino family, we were actually walking separately as well because we wanted time just with my wife and myself. And so what, what month of the year, what season did you walk, Larry? Um, would you believe both times we started on the 13th of May? Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so you're coming into, well, spring. It was coming into spring, and again, we took that decision um, mainly because of the temperature. We didn't want it to be too hot, and we also didn't want to run into uh, the school students that sort of do the Camino um, in late June. So we we start, so we end up um, not having that crowd situation after Saria. Okay, so let's just let's just dig a little bit deeper there. I've not heard of that before. So what are the two weeks traditionally that you'd find school school children on the Camino 
in, in, in June? Uh, well, it's it's when the um, university students and the school students come out, which is about the last 10 days of June. And like from Saria on, it gets very congested because you've got all the school students who are actually walking their Camino. So you run into uh, groups of literally hundreds of school students. And what you'll find is as you're walking, they're walking without backpacks or anything like that. They're actually walking to get to a bus or walking to get to someone with a car with food in it for them. Um, so they're doing the Camino their way, which is different to the way, you know, pilgrims normally do it. But it's just the way um, they they want to do their Camino. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Everyone does their Camino their own way. Did you find, walking with your wife, did you find then when it was busier after Saria, uh even though you weren't walking with the school children, but when you walked, uh, you were. Did you still find an, a way to, I suppose, sort of walk together and sort of not 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 shield yourself from those people, but to still sort of find some space for yourselves? Um, yeah, we, we. I didn't think we ever had a problem with that. I mean, when we wanted to be with people, we were. When we wanted to be on our own, we were. And I think, you know, that's the same with anybody. I mean, and there was times when, because Des walked slower than I do, I'd walk ahead a little bit um, and then I'd wait for her, you know, because if you try and if, if both of you try and walk at the same pace, one of you is going to hurt yourself because either one's walking faster than they normally do or one's walking slower. So you've got to walk at your own pace sometimes. But, you know, the beauty of the Camino is you can say, look, I'll meet you at the next cafe or I'll meet you at the next town. Um, and just, you know, had some time for yourself. But no, we didn't find any problems in that regard, to be honest. And even with accommodation, we found no problems. And this time we were lucky because we got to stay in 2016 at several vegetarian albergs, which we hadn't done in, the, in 2014. And that was a very unique experience as well, staying in these um, vegetarian albergs, which, you know, there's quite a few of them along the way, which a lot of people don't know about. But as I say, we were lucky enough to find five of them that we stayed in. And to be honest, if I go back, I'll try and find some more. Are, are you a vegetarian? No, not at all. I mean, I eat basically anything. But uh, it was just the type of people that actually stayed at the vegetarian Albergs are a much, um, uh, they were a very different sort of people to the ones that you, you, that you normally stay with. Uh, and I think it was just a quieter experience, to be honest. It was a much more relaxed experience in some of these vegetarian Albergs. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. I wonder. I wonder why that is. Do you think that? They're... I think. I think what it is, Dan, is that uh, you make the Camino what you want it to be. And you know, I, like I get asked a lot of times, you know, what, what should I do? Yeah. You know, when someone asks you that, you sort of say, "Well, just do what you want to do." Yeah. You know, there is no rules. You just go and enjoy yourself. And you know, too, too many people are scared. Of, you know, do, will they miss some church or will they miss some great alberg? Well, you might miss this alberg, but you'll see the next one. Yeah, yeah. And we've actually been in albergs where we thought they were absolutely wonderful. And you talk to the next person, they thought they were absolutely terrible yeah. experience. That's right. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and and you, you, you start walking the next day and you tell somebody, I stayed at the best place last night. And they say, no, no, that place is terrible. You should have stayed across the road. But that's, that's exactly it's part of it, isn't it? So, yeah. so let, let's go back then, Larry. Uh and you talked about the fact that you'd seen the movie The Way. But what do you think was the motivation? What was burning inside you that that you felt needed to, to that needed to get to the Camino to Santiago? What what was burning inside you, did you think? I think it was um a desire to see what I could actually do myself, uh, more on the physical side than on the spiritual side. 
And I think it was, uh, especially when my wife decided she wanted to do it, to be able to actually walk with her and experience something together that's very outside our normal way of living. Um, I've lived my entire life basing myself just on work and not on living. And when you're on Camino, you're, you are living in a way that you know, most people never experience. I mean, I understand that you know there's over 200,000 people a year walking the Camino, but when you talk about mankind, that's nothing. And only a few of us get to experience living on the Camino. And it really is a, it opens you up to um, what life is really all about. Yeah, it, it sure does. And so was that something that you expected to discover, Larry? Or was that something that sort of manifests itself after a few days? Or when did all this real, when did this, you come to the realisation of what was going on? Well, it's not what I expected when I left. Um, when I left, I thought it was just going to be a, as, um, as they said in the movie, it was just another bloody long walk. But uh, during the actual walk, you start meeting people and you, know, you get this family building up around you. Um, you get a sense of uh, openness and um, wanting to be involved with people. Um, whereas a lot of the time I wouldn't go to church in, in Australia, on the Camino, it was nothing to actually drop into a church and experience things there. Um, I think also in 2014, we were very fortunate with the people that we walked with. We actually walked with Andrew Suzuki, who's made all those wonderful videos oh, of, course, of, yes. very of the Camino. Very talented we, met with, yeah. we were walking with Dane Johansson, who's a cellist who's just released a movie over in America about um, you know, uh, Strangers on the Earth, which is uh, about a guy carrying a cello right across the Camino, and he played every night in churches and cathedrals wow. and the generosity of this person to actually give his talent to the people around him um one night in hospital de obego we were in an alberg and this girl was playing a guitar and a couple of other people were you know and you know we sort of sang with her and we said so have you been published she didn't say anything and it turned out this person was a very well published um uh singer in her rights you know, people don't sort of come out and say, I am great on the Camino. What they are is they are people on the Camino. Everybody is the same. And we're all walking with the same purpose of getting to Santiago. And I think that's one of the things that's really nice. You know, you're walking, you're walking with all these people, no matter where they're from, with a similar purpose. There is no um, I am this, I am that. It's just we are. And, you know, people who walk the Camino, it's a we. It's not an I. That's so true. The... It's been said before many times that uh, you, nobody asks you what you do, what sort of car you drive, what sort of house you live in. Nobody cares. You strip away all of those pretensions and you're just a pilgrim. That's exactly right. And I think that's one of the nice things about it. There's no competition. Um, yeah, there's, and the other thing I found really interesting about doing the Camino is if you needed anything, if you needed any help, there was people there. Yeah, like if you were in Sydney and you're walking down the street and you fell over and hurt yourself, people would walk around you and they wouldn't care. Um, just before Christmas, my wife and I were driving close to our home and we saw a lady lying on the path. We stopped to help her. The poor lady had blood coming out of her head, blood coming out of her legs. People had been walking around her. If you did that on the Camino, if you hurt yourself, you'd have a crowd around you offering whatever they had to help you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could all learn a thing or two, couldn't we? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that leads me to my next question then. Are you still learning from pilgrims even though you're not on the Camino today, Larry, through your involvement in all these forums and, 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 and social media and what have you? 
Uh, yeah, I think I am. I think, you know, like it's just even the ability to um, see their ex experiences and to share their experiences with them. I mean, it's so wonderful watching people as they're preparing for the Camino and they're go you, you see them going through all the... Um, you see them going through all the questions that they want to ask in regards to uh, the Camino and the, the problems they may be having or may not be having. Um, the questions they ask about, you know, prepared, being prepared for it. Yeah. And then they go and do their Camino and then it's completely different. And yeah. watching the different experiences people have. And, yeah, again, people will ask, you know, where should I stay? What should it take? And you can see them as they're walking, they're stripping away all their fears and they're becoming, as you say, pilgrims. And sometimes it takes a few days for that to occur. Other times it takes a lot longer. And the real interesting ones are the ones who disappear during the Camino. And then they say, I've arrived in Santiago. It's interesting in that they have actually tripped away the need to be on social media 24-7. They've got involved in the Camino. They've been involved in the Camino life. And that is a really interesting uh, aspect of following people on the Camino, even though you've lost them for a short period of time. Yeah, that's really interesting because that once they, there are some people who choose to post all the time and, and put up photos all the time, but there's a lot of people who just switch off. And it's a great opportunity to switch off as well, isn't it? Because you it's can, a, it's a, you can really is. log off, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something before about uh, people, in a sense, losing themselves. But I received, Larry, an email during the week from somebody, and I thought you might be a very good person to answer it. And it was, it was from a lady named Emma. And she said, I just want some advice. Will I get lost on the Camino? And, and, and I thought, well, you probably won't. But what would your answer be to somebody who, said, who asked you, would that, will they get lost? Well, it's interesting. Is it, Am I going to get lost as far as I'm not going to where I'm going because there's nothing pointing me in the right direction or am I going to get lost as a person on the Camino? Quite. So if you're talking about getting lost as, as far as directions are concerned, I find that very hard because you've got all these wonderful Spanish people who will point you in the right direction. Yeah. Plus you've got a lot of pilgrims around who will tell you where you're going and where yeah, you're not yeah. going. Uh, will you get lost as an individual? Quite possibly. Because you, you're out of your comfort zone. You're out of the... Uh, surroundings that you're normally in where you've got all these wonderful comforts that you've built up around yourself. You know, all of a sudden, all you've got with you is what you're carrying in a, in a backpack, which doesn't weigh very much. You might have one or two spare changes of clothes, you know, and not much else. Uh, you're sort of watching what you're spending in money, whereas back home you may not be watching what you're spending in money. You know, it's a completely different life to what you're used to. So will you get lost as a person? Quite possibly. Will you find yourself as a person? Quite possibly. Will you find yourself after the Camino? I've still got people I talk to, and you know we've had quite a few people we've met on the Camino who've actually come to Australia and stayed with us. But I keep talking to people, and they're still finding themselves after doing the Camino, and you could be talking three years later. So it's not something that finishes in Santiago. It continues with you in your life if you want it to. There's obviously people who don't want it to continue in their life, and, of course, it's not going to affect them any further. It's really up to the individual. There's no right or wrong with anything to do with the Camino. Larry, the people who come to stay with you who say they're still trying to find themselves, are they frustrated that they haven't been able to find themselves? Or, or, or are they enjoying the search and the journey? I don't think they're frustrated. I think they're enjoying the, um, 
the journey and the journey has continued. Unfortunately, you have some people who think that once they've reached Santiago and they've, uh, they've gained their Compostela, that that's it, the journey's yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got other people, and you see that in a lot of forums, you know, uh, when you're sitting in the cathedral and you talk to someone and they say they've now finished their 14th Camino, you start wondering why. But having done two Caminos, I sort of sit back and if I could be there today, I'd be there today. Uh, it's just unfortunately life does get in its in, in way of being on the Camino. But I, th I think it's just completely different. And it's a much simpler way of living than what we do um, in America or in Australia or in England or anywhere else. And to be honest, I mean, you get away from all the problems of the world. I mean, when you're walking the Camino, you're not listening to the news. You don't care about riots in you know, some country. You don't care about uh, people running people over in England because you just get away from all of that. You get away from all the... Um, the problems that surround normal life. Yeah, you do. And I've said before on this podcast, in some respects, it's a very selfish thing to do. Yeah. However, I think that when you take that time out of your day-to-day -day grind to enable yourself to free up your mind and your heart and your soul a little bit, you come back a better person. And I think that that's a, a better gift for those people who potentially lose you for that period of time. So, so let me ask you then, Larry, uh, your wife and, and, and yourself, how did you cope when you came back? And what did you learn a, a, the first time that you were able to apply the second time? Um, how did we cope when we came back? Um, well, we actually decided to change our life when we came back. We downsized our house from the big house to a tiny, tiny little place, which was big enough for both of us. Um, then, you know, it was getting, like... The reason we did it the second time was my coming up to my 60th birthday, and that's what I gave myself for my 60th birthday oh, fantastic. present. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I came back from that and changed jobs. I mean, you sort of learn as you go that what we took for granted as having to have, you don't really need. Um, you just need a simple life. You, know, you just need a life where it's not really complicated, where you can share things with people and not worry about it. And I think you learn that when you're walking on the Camino and you're talking to a Frenchman who doesn't speak English and I don't speak French and you have a conversation that goes on for hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, you know, there's, you, you wouldn't do that in normal life. I mean, people just don't do it. Um, yeah, like having dinner with strangers. I mean, most people are too scared to sit in a restaurant with, you know, uh, God knows how many people. I mean, I remember one night that um, we were in, uh, where was it, Burgos, uh, two of us were sitting there and we said, how many people we booked for dinner for tonight? And there's, there's um, Paul from America, my wife and myself, three people. We booked a, a restaurant for 25. We filled the restaurant with people that came to join us for dinner. I mean, where do you ever get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I interesting you talk about your wife there, Larry. Can I, can I ask you a very personal question? There'd be some, mm -hmm. people, there'd be some people listening, I'm certain, who'd say, oh, my, I could not possibly walk with my wife across Europe. We'd drive each other insane. How, how, did, you, did you cope okay with it, husband and wife, day in, day out? And it's pretty, there are days there when it's really tough. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I don't think I could do it without her, to be brutally honest. Yeah. And yet I know some people who would not want to do it with their partners. I mean, that, that comes down to yourself. Um, yeah, it, and like 
the beauty of, of Des and my relationship is we can be separate for a day but get together at night. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to do it without having her with me. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fantastic. I, I wonder, in, in a general sense, not necessarily talking about your wife, but in a general sense, when you went over in 2014 or before you headed over, did you ever think that it may end in tears? No, I never thought that at all because I was expecting it to be what it would be. Um, whether there was going to be a physical, um, painful journey or whether it was going to be you know, a, a strenuous uh, spiritual or mental journey, uh, the way I looked at it was, it was going to be what it was going to be. And yeah. I think, too, having done both the Caminos, um, that's one of the things I often say, it will be what it is. Uh, I think one of Des's favourite sayings is, to be honest, I climbed, I, I walked over a mountain. I can do anything. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that's, that's so true. Were you surprised, and I've got written here, it's, there's a little highlight next to it, because it's one of the same questions I've asked the last half a dozen guests on, on my podcast. Were you surprised at the difficulty of the first couple of days? I, I, to be honest, yes, I was surprised. Um, and to be honest... Uh, in 2014, I wasn't as prepared as in 2016, and I'd only just gone past Orison. I hadn't even reached the little van where you've got the the guy who sells hot chocolate and that on the mountain, <laughs> yeah. and my legs were full of cramps. I didn't think I'd be able to go any further. Um, luckily, I had some crampies tablets with me. I took those. The cramps went away, and after that, I didn't have any problems. But to be honest, that first two days, and everyone says they're the hardest, you know, going from St. Jean to Rosseville, um, I actually find them to be the most beautiful days as well. I mean, the scenery there and just getting to know people, because I think that's where you start to get to know people from St. Jean up to Orison, and then uh, if you stay at Orison, then from Orison to Rosseville, you sort of meet the majority of the people you're actually going to meet on the Camino. Is that's, that's where you meet them. So there's, there's two sides of it. There's the physical side, and then there's the getting to know people's side. But um, the other thing is once you come down off that mountain, you know, you sort of look and go, well, the worst is behind me now. I can get on with this. Uh, but it all comes down, it all comes down, down to being prepared. You know, yeah. you don't have to be, a, a, you don't have to be a, a, a top sportsman. All you have to do is be prepared. And the other thing you've got to do is walk at your pace. Yes. Don't walk at the pace of people around you. Walk at your pace. Yes, yes. And, and, and that, so that leads me to my next question, Larry. Did you train before you go, you and Des? Did you, were you fit? Is that a fair question? Um, well, let's put it this way. The first time I went, um, I thought I'd trained enough. Uh, the problem was I hadn't prepared enough. My feet ended up covered in blisters. Uh, yeah. Des ended up with tendonitis in one leg and was off of feet for four days. So we weren't that good in 2014. 2016... I did prepare uh, right down to the fact that I was actually coating my feet with um, a solution to harden them up and dry them up. So when we started again in 2016, we walked the entire way. We had no physical problems at all, to be quite honest. And when we got to San Diego, we actually said, pity we haven't got time, we turn around and walk back. So, you know, wow. again, I think it just comes down to um, yourself as well and you know, being prepared to to look after yourself a little bit because you've got to listen to your body and most of us don't know how to listen to our bodies. <laughs> no, no, that's right. And because we think we're tougher than we are, we're quite often doing, <clears throat> pardon me, we're quite often doing damage when we think we're getting stronger. 
So did you, you, yeah, you talk to... Yeah, yeah, go on. No, go on, sorry. I was going to say, you mentioned there when you got to the end, you, you thought you'd walk all the way back. Well, did you walk on to Finisterre or, 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 or finish in Santiago? Okay, in 2014, we walked through to um, Finisterre and to Musha. Uh, in 2016, we just didn't allow ourselves enough time. We only had two days in Santiago before we had to fly back to Paris. So we just hadn't allowed ourselves enough time for the simple reason that um, we decided we're just going to do the uh, Francais, get to Santiago, and that was going to be the end of this walk because, you know, it's always in the back of our mind that we'd go back. Yeah. Um, to be honest, if, if I could be there today, I'd start in Santiago, I'd walk to St. Jean, and then go up to the north and walk the north back to Santiago. Right. So, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, it's, What's that, about three months? Yeah, about three months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how fantastic would that be? All right, now, uh, I want to ask you a question. If you, can, if you can sort of put this in perspective, you've walked 2014, you go 2016. Did 2016 meet your expectations? Did yes, it, it did. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was different. I mean... It was a little bit um, less exciting because, you know, there was a time, for example, we walked down into a wooded valley and I said, look, we're going to walk around this little bend. We're going to go across a creek bed and there's going to be two guys here selling wooden toys. And sure enough, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there were some things that um, uh, we saw that we experienced for the first time in 2014. But again, in 2016, there was things that we saw that we hadn't seen the first time. And I think that was because we, as I say, we stayed at different places stayed in different towns um, and just experienced different things. So, you know, it, it was, uh, again, a wonderful experience and it was sort of, again, just time to be away on our own. Can I ask, are you spiritual people? Um, well, yes, we are spiritual people. We're not uh, religious, we're spiritual. So, yeah. And, and so I, I suppose the next question is, can you pinpoint a moment in the 2014 pilgrimage where you looked across at, at Des and said, oh, my God, what is going on here? This is really something special. This is really something we didn't expect. This is bigger and better than our expectation. I think um, the walk out of Casarujeres, where we walk up the mountain, that's quite a, a difficult mountain, which I find to be actually harder than going up... Um, over there, over the Pyrenees, and it was sort of getting up the top of that mountain and looking back over where we'd been, and you see a long way, and you think, we've walked all this, and we've walked it together. We've shared all these ex experiences together, yeah. and, you know, we've got all these things now that we can remember and discuss. And to be honest, there's, there's times where we'll be doing things, and you, know, you might even just see a, a little yellow flower or a daisy in your, your back, um, on the Camino to the things that we shared, you know, whether it was uh, sitting in a field of poppies, you know, having a bocadillo and a bottle of water or uh, just having some hard-boiled eggs, you know, next to a river. You know, simple little things that come back at you. And from a spiritual point of view, I mean, uh, I guess, um, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's everyone says the same sort of thing sometimes, you know, being at the cruise and, sort of uh, experience, experiencing the feeling of being there. And, yes, there's a lot of hype. I mean, they it's, it's, it's played up very much so in the um, movie The Way, but it is a very um, spiritual and um, 
thrilling experience to actually be there and to just sit and think about the number of people who have been there in the past and all the pain that's been left behind. I mean, if anywhere in the world has had pain left behind, the Cruise of Federal has had so many people leave their pain there, and you do. You leave the cruise and you feel much better. And to be honest, on my desk, even at work, I have a little white rock, which I picked up from near the cruise. And whenever I feel pain, I sort of hang onto the rock and I put my pain into that rock, knowing that one day I'll take that rock back and leave it at the cruise and it will be gone. Oh, that is fantastic, Larry. That is absolutely fantastic. I, I have to admit, and I've said it many times, I, I came around the corner and saw it and just burst into tears like a little girl. I don't know what yep. on earth is happening there at that site. <laughs> but yeah. And for my listeners who don't know what we're talking about, talking about the Cruz de Ferro, an iron cross, which is mounted on a, a plinth of stones carried from all over the world. And pilgrims carry a stone from wherever they are from and they maybe wrap a little piece of paper around it with a prayer and, and a rubber band, or, or maybe they just take a little flag and tie it to the, to the cross, but that's where people lay their prayers, and they take, as part of their pilgrimage, something to the Cruz de Ferro to leave behind. And as Larry said, all that pain left behind is really quite overwhelming. And, and I, I couldn't... The energy at that site is, is quite extraordinary. It's something you really need to experience and you can't quite put into words, can you, Larry? No, you can't really put it into words. I mean, um, the first time we went, I actually left a cross my father wore all his life and left it at the cruise because my father had died in the, um, the February and we walked in, the, in May. Oh. So I left my father's cross there. Uh, this time, I actually took a medallion that um, my mother had given me that was important to Dad and left that there as well. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's just yeah, you know, it's not just leaving your own pain. You leave mementos of yeah. loved ones there as well, and or you, you it could be that you're yeah, you know, it is a very holy place, um, and I think a lot of people go there and they will just pray for someone who needs help, and yeah, so it's not just a matter of leaving pain there. It's also a very um, important place to a lot of people to actually pray for help, and a lot of people who don't even believe in prayer will actually pray for help there without even realising what they're doing. That's so true. Yes, that is 100% correct. And then later that day, I found myself lying in the river in Molinesaka, I think. Yes. And, <laughs> and washing it all away. Yes. It was re it, cleansing it all. It was, uh, it's a, oh yeah, it's a, it is a remarkable part of the world. It right. is. It's, I mean, the whole Camino is a, a wonderful thing. I've got a couple of questions, if I could. I want to get to some homework, some sort of nuts and bolts questions, because I know a lot of listeners listen because they're thinking of walking, Larry, and they, and they want to hear from somebody who's up to his neck in it, and you certainly are because you're always posting stuff on Facebook and other social media where you're sharing. In fact, there was a piece today from a, from a, a pilgrim in the United States about how much money you should spend, and, and, and that's the kind of stuff we all pilgrims need to know about. So I just want to ask here, uh, I've been following a fellow Aussie pilgrim this month. He's currently about halfway and he's injured. And, and I've written here, why do we seek, do you think, to put ourselves through the hell of the walk, Larry? What is it that lures us back to experience that pain? 
I don't know if we, we we're lured back to experience the pain. I think we're lured back to experience the experience. And unfortunately, uh, because we're walking so far, it is possible that you injure yourself because, uh, you know, like you're talking about people who for five weeks are walking half a marathon every day and they're walking half a marathon with weight on their back. So, you know, and they're walking up and down mountains, which you don't do in everyday life. So um, I think it's just the experience that people are looking for. And unfortunately, some people do get hurt. I mean, we saw a lot of people injured in 2016. Uh, and again, I think it's mainly because they didn't prepare. But yeah. to be honest, you have people say, how far should I walk? Well, just walk far enough that your, your body is used to walking and don't think you're going to be able to prepare no matter where you live for walking the Camino because I don't know anyone who's actually said, oh, yes, where I walk is exactly like this. It doesn't happen. <laughs> That's right. That's so true. In fact, I tried walking, Larry, but every time I got to a set of traffic lights, I thought, no, this is not like this is not like the Camino. This is not like traffic lights <laughs> because I'm in the heart of Sydney. All right. Now, let's, let's, let's do some, uh, some homework. What did you find most challenging if I asked you for one thing? What did you find most challenging? Snoring. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. Okay, so how did you deal with it? How did you deal with it? Okay, well, um, as I put on the Facebook page the other day, we're pilgrims, we're not martyrs. So we do have a tendency to every three nights, for example, find ourselves a better accommodation than the uh, shared pilgrim accommodation. So <laughs> that would be where we would catch up on our sleep or... You know, have a bit of relax and um, luxury. Um, we we don't see that you have to actually um, suffer yeah. on the on the on the Camino um, because you know, like the, some pilgrims in the old days may have suffered on the Camino, but I, I'm quite sure that if they could have have a, have a little bit of luxury, they would have. And again, it all comes down to what are you looking for and what can you afford? Because you have people, oh, I've only got X amount of money to spend on the Camino. And you sort of think, well, you know, if you've only got X amount, instead of trying to do the whole thing, enjoy the piece you're doing because otherwise you're going to reduce the enjoyment you have of doing the Camino. So it's horses for courses, you know. You've just got to do what's right for yourself. What did you find most rewarding? Oh, most rewarding, my Camino family and yeah. the time with my wife. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What section of the Camino did you find most difficult? Um, to be honest, none of it. I mean, I know people say that it's difficult, um, but I, I just found the whole the whole Camino was uh, an interesting experience. And I, as I said before, I just took it as it was and what it was. Uh, people say that the Mercedes is boring because it's flat and it's yeah, straight. Yeah. Yeah, but so what? You know, it's just something different. You know, and to be honest, after you've walked the, the Mercedes for a few days, you're, you're actually your body's actually craving for that next hill, the next mountain that you can walk up because it's not that challenge. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting, and yeah, like a lot of people just they they follow the, the, the guides and you talk to people and they say, oh, we're going to the top of the page. And for a long time, I couldn't understand what this top of the page was till I realised that all they were doing was following, for example, the Breeley guide to the top of his page for the map. And they thought, that's how you have to do it. The, the, the concept that you have to do it in a particular way, to me, is very alien and very foreign. Um, 
in 2016, when we were finishing, the last four days, we only walked from um, River Disu. So what should have taken like two days, we took four days to walk. Right. Because we didn't want it to finish. I mean, uh, we actually stopped at Lavacola before we got to Santiago and stayed a night there. We knew our Camino family was in Santiago. We knew they were going in for dinner. But we didn't want our Camino to actually finish that way. We wanted to have an extra day. And yes, it was only a 10-kilometre walk, but it was an extra day. You know, and it's, I think the hard part was finishing. Yeah, yeah. Well put. What, where? So how have you applied what you learned to your life as a, as a pilgrim? How, how have you applied that to your life now? Well, it's, um, I'm trying, I'm being more sharing with everybody. Um, what's in my head, I'm letting out to everybody else, which is why, uh, as you say, you've looked at the Australian Pilgrims page and, like, unfortunately, <laughs> I do post a little bit too much on there. But just trying to be helpful to people and being more caring and sharing, um, which is why, for example, I built the calendar page on the, the, the forum so that people could have a look and see what events were yeah. around because a lot of people don't realise that they might be going into a village and it's going to have a festival. Now, they may want to avoid the festival or attend the festival. Yeah, yeah. But the more you know about things like that, the better you can plan. The only sad part I have in regards to that is just go and walk it and then see what happens. Don't plan, just walk. Yeah, yeah. Just, and, and there'll be a surprise around the corner. You, there's so many surprises around the corner. You know, it may be a pretend bullfight in um, Los Arcos or it may be the beautiful tapas that you get when you're in, when you're in Logroño. Uh, there's just so many beautiful surprises. And when you're in some of those towns, go one or two streets away from the main road. You never know what you're going to find around that next corner. Oh, that is so true. All right. Now, what do your family and friends make of it all, Larry? Um, <laughs> look, to be honest, they all think that we're nuts. Um, <laughs> when they say, are you going to do it again? We say yes. But you know, to be honest, you can't go to someone and say, you have to walk the Camino. If you're drawn to it, you're drawn to it. If you're not drawn to it, you're not. And people who aren't drawn to it cannot understand why we do it. But then again, I can't understand why people would stick themselves on a little tin can and float out in the ocean with, you know, two or 3,000 people and call it a cruise. That doesn't sound like much fun to me. But that's, you know, my, my take is I want to go and walk the Camino or other walks. And there's plenty of walks around the world. It's just the um, Caminos in Spain seem to be so well prepared for us. But, you know, um, so sharing with people and being able to give to people. Uh, and what I find now after doing two Caminos is it's a lot easier for me to give than it was in the past. In the past, it was more give me. Now it's more what can I give you. Outstanding. What was the favourite item in your backpack? Favourite item in my backpack? <laughs> hmm. I don't think I had a favourite item in my backpack because my backpack was just full of clothes that I had to take with me. Um, if anything, it was probably, and it's going to sound silly, it was a golf ball. Um, what? And my golf ball ended up being given to somebody else. Why um, did you carry a golf ball? Why did I carry a golf ball? Did you ever get cramps in your feet? <laughs> ah, all right. So like a, like a, what do they call that? That's a fishy... Yeah, what's that? There's a name for that. 
Fasciitis or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for your plantar fasciitis. Fasciitis, so that's golf, it. Yeah, you put the golf ball on the ground and you just roll it under your foot before you get up. Like when you get up in the morning, you roll the golf ball under your foot for a little while, both feet. And then when you finish walking, you roll the golf ball under your feet and it just massages your foot. Um, and I actually ended up giving that to a German lady who was suffering badly with cramps. Um, and then she used it for a little while and found it was absolutely wonderful. I mean, to be honest, in 2016, we took a lot more um, preventative items. Like I have bunions, so I took bunion protectors that I'd bought online. I didn't wear them, I didn't need them. But my wife, for example, she ended up using some of them and the Americans who had problems with their feet, I gave them to. Um, even some gel inserts that I had taken with me for plantar fasciitis because there's has problems with that. We end up giving those to different people from different parts of the world to help them their walk because they were having trouble. Is there anything that you wish you had taken with you? My children. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Great answer. Great answer. And 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 I also have a, another question here. Did you? Tell, tell us about your experience of walking in, you and Des arriving. Let's talk about 2014, arriving in Santiago in the, the Cathedral Square. Uh, some people say, oh, it was a bit of an anticlimax. What did you make of it? Okay, well, before we even got to Santiago, we decided we were going to go on to Finisterra. So you've got to understand that when we got to Santiago, it wasn't the end of our Camino. Right. So we got to Santiago and it was really just another way stop that we knew we were going to stay there for two days to say goodbye to our Camino family at the time. And then we were going to push on to finish out in Musha. So in 2014, yeah, it was sort of just another stop. 2016, uh, it was a much more important uh, feeling and it was a feeling of accomplishment. But uh, in 2014, when we got to our final destination, which was Finisterra, and we got our Camino there, oh, sorry, our Compostela there, we both broke down and cried because we had finished. And it was sort of, oh, my God, we have finished. You know, there's not any more steps to take it on this walk. Um, and then it became even more important to us when Dane Johansson actually played his cello um, under the lighthouse and he played for about five hours while the sun went down. And people that we had never met before we had got to St. Jean or Roncesvalles were there with us listening to this beautiful music. And you could see it on everybody's face, just thinking about the times that they had spent in this journey. And, you know, the journey continues, as I say. Well, that is absolutely outstanding. Larry, I can't thank you enough for your time and your scholarship. You've been very, very kind. And I hope our paths cross again. Can I ask when you're heading back? When? You must be heading back soon. Dan, I don't know when we're heading back, but if you're in the centre of Sydney, I only live at San Susie. Come up and have a coffee anytime you want. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do it. That's fantastic. Look, and if you, my listeners, are inspired by Larry's journey and you're thinking of heading to Spain to walk the Camino, remember the words of Jack Kerouac, who actually wrote, because in the end, you won't remember the time spent working or mowing the lawn. Climb that goddamn mountain. Wise words, Larry. Okay, Dan. Thank Thank, you very much. Thank you for your time. Larry Phillips there, an Australian pilgrim, traveller and journeyman. And you can always find Larry's posts at the Australian Pilgrims on uh, Camino de Santiago. I'm Dan Mullins. Thanks for listening. And until next week, Buon Camino. Buon Camino.